Pleasant Jam. And welcome to a special edition of the After Improv episode. So special. I meant to say after improv podcast. God, why did I say after improv? Why would you fuck that up? Edit. Exclusive interviews to follow. Two exclusive interviews. Uh, We just wrapped up the fifth annual Detroit Improv Improv Festival. I can't say anything. We just wrapped up the fifth fifth dip, and we got two really great interviews. One with Nancy Hayden, and the other one with Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer. Moyer. They had a lot of really great and interesting things to say. Yeah. It's not easy when two assholes are making noises in the background. Asshole. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to play you these interviews. And we'd like to thank both women for agreeing to be on our podcast. And special thanks to PJ Jacobs and Go Comedy for making their facilities available to us. Yeah. And also to Quentin Hicks for going to bat and uh, reaching out because we didn't know either of them. And he reached out on our behalf to ask for interviews and they were very nice about it. So uh, first, let's start things off with Nancy Hayden. We are coming to you live from Diff 2015. And with us is a very special guest. It's no exaggeration to say she is a uh, cornerstone of the uh, improv scene here. Uh, one of the founding members of Planet Ant Theater and a talented writer, improviser, and director in her own right. Nancy Hayden, everybody. Welcome. Yay. Yay. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for talking uh, to us. Very happy to be here. Yeah, with me always are the wizard, the warrior, and the maiden true, Jim Harper, oh. John Yar, and Heather Anonymous. Heather wants to be a social worker, so she doesn't want to reveal her identity. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... Got to play it close to the vest. Exactly. <laughs> Not that she's wearing a vest. Yeah, or oh. is she? You'll never know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a mystery. All, it's all anonymous, but it's purchased from Target. That's what I found out. Yeah. <laughs> so our podcast is aimed at you know improvisers in the Detroit area. We've been doing improv for about a year. Great. And so we'd like to just talk to you about you know kind of the history and your history of being an improviser in Detroit. So you were born and uh, raised in Michigan? I was born in Detroit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I grew up an hour north of Detroit, outside of Flint. Okay. And I started acting when I was a kid but I didn't come to improv really I was in a troupe in college everybody's in a troupe in college yeah. we never did a gig yeah we'd get together every Tuesday say we're gonna practice drink you know how that goes um, but really my improv entree was Second City I auditioned and got cast in the main stage cast off the street in 1994 and, and was that uh, the first year of Second City it or the second? It was the second year. Actually, okay. they opened in 93 in the mm-hmm. fall, and there were two Chicagoans. Todd Stashwick, do you know who he is? He's no. From, you, can, you can look him up. He's, okay. on, every, he's on Supernatural. He's on, he's like, you'll be like, that oh, okay. guy, I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Todd, Stashwick, Todd Stashwick and Susie Nakamura were the two Chicagoans who kind of started off the Detroit cast so mm-hmm. that they you know, could you know, have a couple people who knew the games and who knew the types of forms to do. And then, I believe, six months into the theater, being opened they held more auditions and they cast one man and one woman and i was the woman so i uh, joined the main stage cast then and did that for a few years and now was, was there the like an improv scene of any kind in detroit prior to second city not too much i mean people didn't even know what improv was no mm-hmm. you gotta remember this is you know early to mid 
cities. So there's no who's line. There's no nothing really, yeah. right? There's there's Second City. There's Improv Olympic. And unless you're inside, and that's in Chicago. Yeah. So unless you're inside the the world, you don't even know. People would call the box offices and say, who you know, who's playing tonight? Yeah. Because <laughs> they thought it was stand up, or like one of our shows was named Kevorkian Unplugged, and someone would call and go, who plays Kevorkian in your play? <laughs> you know, it was they didn't know. You know, they didn't know what it was. So there was an exciting element to that though of like they walked in not knowing what improv was and it was our job to teach it to them that mm-hmm. night introduce it to the you know to them and that, that was kind of cool for us so was there like a pattern you'd go through like this is what improv is and this is what we do or you just let the audience well the, you know the first you know the, obviously the second city experience if you guys have ever gone there the first thing they do is see the show right so mm-hmm. we would do a main stage show just like any other you know so they'd see a two-hour written review but then yeah we would explain what the improv set was and there's all you know you guys i'm sure have met resistance to that at times too of like you're not really making that up you know yeah, so there was sure. a lot of that Black back magic, then sure you know? sure but what was crazy to me was for us, for the actors, when you left the cast back then, you didn't stay here. You know, there was no reason to stay here. Mm. And it was sort of like, I think it was looked upon as sort of throwing away that gift you'd been given, you know, how many thousands of people want these gigs and these, yeah. you know, seven people get them. So it, you're going to you're gonna not do anything with that? You're going to stay in Detroit? You know, that was kind of a look down upon. Um, and just within a few short years, that changed. And that was really neat. Because I moved to Chicago after the main stage cast. And they were great to me there, but they didn't need... You you know, they they didn't need any more actors at that time. I believe the three women in the main stage cast in Chicago at that time were Tina Fey, Rachel Dratch, and Jenna Jolovitz. Okay. So you show up in Chicago like, yeah. yeah, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we're all set. Yeah. So, so then I was like, okay, I'll be back in Detroit if anybody needs me. And uh, at the time, a couple of my pals were leaving the main stage cast here, Josh Funk being one of them. And, uh, and we were all, it was all kind of coming to a head at the same time because Hal Soper had opened the Planet Ant as a coffee shop. Keegan was at the time going to U of D and was, you know, they, the U of D kids all went to drink coffee there. Keegan and his girlfriend at the time asked if they could do a play in this guy's coffee house. Meanwhile, we're all over at Second City. So all these people were about to meet and start hanging out. And uh, Planet Ant really kind of brought us all together and the Second City, obviously. So how Planet Ant, like how far does that come after? Was it always like there during Second City? Not the entire time. I mean, not during my entire time in mm-hmm. Second City. For some people, certainly. I started Second City in 94. I was involved at the Ant by 97. I believe it officially was switched from a coffee house into a theater in like 96. So So by 97, Josh and I, Josh had left the main stage cast and started a band called Park and they wanted some PR for the band. So they thought, what if we write a a play about a garage band and our band plays the band? So we wrote a play called Garage. Oh, I see. And so, um, and this was, I mean, this is how awesome Hal was. We had dates on the books for that show at the Ant before we'd ever put pen to paper. He was just so trusting. And, you know, working at Second City, it's a phenomenal gig. It's a great experience. But everything you write has to be, you know, approved, you know, your director, your producer or everybody so we used to say that you know the freedom at the ant was the thing that you know to, to, to make a group of people want to that are working you know six days a week in improv and sketch want to do improv on their off day yeah. you know like you, you gotta think about that it's like we're doing this you know Wednesday through Sunday what do we do on Monday nights we improvise together yeah. so that's how the Monday night thing became you know and, and Margaret and Josh and I started the Planet Ant Improv Colony and it was just to you know mess around and have fun and have a place to just play on Mondays and and have some fun together and you know who knew that 15 years later yeah now we're there you know yeah now you guys are there that's so amazing to me and you know and I every time I talk to anybody about the ant I I give props to Margaret and I give props to Margaret all the time anyhow yeah Margaret she's great one of my dearest friends but like she 
um, it, it just wouldn't still be there without her, you know, because over the years we've all kind of gone to these other places and 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 uh, have have gone on to do these other things, and and you know w- whether we've been around on Mondays or not, you know, Margaret has always kind of been the person to helm that the, mm-hmm. that effort and keep it going, and it's so amazing now to see a whole new you know revitalization and and life for Monday night, nights at the yeah, end. and there's a big training center there now. Yeah, a lot of yeah. yeah, right. We're part of the like Mike McGettigan. We're part of the first uh, writing class they've uh, put. Together. I think they have maybe a long time ago or yeah something, we used but to, well that was kind of how we started doing what are sort of the ant processes what mm-hmm. that began was sort of a a pay-to-play class that funk would teach so it was like you know hey i'll teach you basically how we write a show at second city mm-hmm. so you know you'd pay to take that as a class but the, then you'd actually write a show and then at the end of the class we'd run the show for six weeks or yeah. whatever so many of those shows that you see the posters for on the walls at the ant those are actually from those kind of classes back in the day like five 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 one two one two was one of those and all of those shows way back in the day so did you have a chance to visit uh the ant on your trip back yet i have not been at the mm. ant no i have not been there yet there was a barbecue there today luckily i get to see a lot of those folks now uh we even started the planet ant west thing out in la you know yeah so is I that know. officially underway or yeah i mean it's it's not it's uh it's not underway like in a brick or mor- brick and mortar building right now yeah. but we are playing every other week at oh the you are already okay yeah there's a group playing that's been doing a run every other Thursday okay now. and like uh steve forbes who just made the yeah, home team yeah just moved i think he played the... this past thursday oh he did all right show, okay jamie and i were cracking up we're like welcome Buddy, we're all leaving town. So have, <laughs> have a great first show. No yeah. one, none of us will be here. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, so. it's, it's funny because he just like you know I think like last month maybe or the maybe June he got you know added to the home team and then they were joking yeah. like oh now he's already leaving right, and right. so now he gets there and then everybody comes and everybody back here. Comes so, back here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I might understand right that you went to like after you were in the Detroit cast you went yeah. to Chicago then came back. Yeah, I did. I moved to Chicago and uh, you know like I said there was they were wonderful to me. I was teaching there and it was great. Um, I even took some classes at I.O. It was, you know, it was sort of like, what? how else can I get? Because I had auditioned off the street, yeah. I had never been in a training center, and that was exciting to me. So yeah. I started at the beginning levels of I.O., okay. which, you know, I'm a huge proponent for the basics all the time, you know, and, yeah. and I think, uh, and I know a lot of fellow main stage alums who will sort of do workshops or, you know, l- classes like that. And um, so I did that, just, you know, started to get to know the I.O. people. And a couple things kind of all happened at once, like um, there was family stuff going on, good family stuff like my sister was getting married and having a baby at the time and but yeah I know I remember talking to folks back here and saying like so where are you gonna go like you know, uh, new friends who were leaving the second city and yeah. one by one they were saying you know I don't know I think I might stick around here for a little while you know and people were staying in Detroit all of a sudden yeah and so I realized wow there might be some opportunity and I really got a bug I think around that same time that I wanted to direct and because um, I had been teaching and I taught yeah. in Detroit and I taught in Chicago and at the time they had only ever let two women direct main stage shows Mm. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to do that. So I went back home and I started directing the touring company and I directed uh, Rico Bruce Wade was now uh, artistic director. I mean, I'm sorry, producer at this time. And he and I had been in the cast together. So uh, we started a thing called Alternative Shows, which were basically begun because they were auditioning folks and they didn't have a spot for them necessarily yet in the touring company or in the main stage cast, but they didn't want to let them go because they were so good. Yeah. So we had a crop of amazing women, I remember, one year, 97. 98 and uh, Rico said you know could we put up a show with them so we wrote a show called Blah Blah Sisterhood and I cast like eight of the women and I mean that was like you know Naima Funk and uh, Mary Vanette was in that cast Lisa Mellon I mean some really amazingly talented women who went on to be great main stage people at Second City 
and you know because then if you say to someone like oh yeah we really like you a lot maybe someone will leave the main stage in a year you know <laughs> yeah. you're gonna lose that talent they're gonna they're gonna move on to the bigger market yeah so we were trying to discuss you know to create a way to get people involved because that's what people want it's yeah. a place to play right it's what we all want so was so, there any disappointment though like going to chicago and then like you know kind of uprooting I, i'd say for sure then i mean I, I don't know yeah i mean i yeah disappointment's probably right and definitely a, a wake-up call you know yeah. i mean i had been you know i think i knew i actually went to college in los angeles and got a musical theater degree and i left there i lived in chicago before then because i went to i went to college in la and then i left there to move to chicago to do theater and this was before i'd ever even discovered improv so it wasn't like i didn't know the business was tough yeah but i do remember um you know i mean I mean, let's let's be honest in the in the 90s at the second city in detroit we, we weren't anything to them you know what i mean like who were we we yeah. were a bunch of chumps i remember people having the attitude of like oh i guess we're just mcdonald's now we're just going to start opening franchises yeah. everywhere because it was chicago and toronto and that was it yeah so detroit was only just a third though right so, yeah i mean so that's still not a lot you know what i mean i know no i know yeah, but no, that so. wasn't how they saw it it was the beginning of the end for them you yeah. know and so we, they weren't taking any of us it just wasn't gonna happen yeah and so i mean it took years for us to kind of crack that Earn facade your, yeah but but the, the thing about it, because people always talk about us, you know, kind of rolling really tight and like the group in L.A., especially yeah. the Detroiters who are out there. Mm -hmm. And what I say to them is like, I, I credit that to two things. One was that nobody was coming to Detroit to watch us. Lauren Michaels was not coming to the second city <laughs> in Detroit to watch us. Yeah. So we had no reason to step on each other's backs. We yeah. had no reason to backstab each other. We had every reason to support each other and work together and just create good work and respect and love each other, which we did. Yeah. The other thing was, was, you know, those Detroit versus everybody t-shirts it's like it's true of the city and it was true of our theater yeah. you know we had everything to prove in the improv sketch world in the comedy world to a behemoth of an institution like yeah. second city did we deserve those jobs because it's easy to sit in chicago and go oh god detroit those guys are hacks they don't know what they're doing yeah. but they they didn't get in the car and drive across 94 and see the show and when they did that usually shut them up because there's no doubt that that i mean that group of people that i'm naming they were putting up amazing work throughout yeah. the years you and, know, and a million yeah. others that i'm not even naming but you know yeah. you can't see it's not like keegan michael key wasn't good back then you yeah. know i mean it was still amazing work being done just people didn't know that you know so it took a few years for people and those early main stagers who left and did you know branch out like when larry joe campbell left the cast and moved out to la mm -hmm. and you know started shopping around for pilots and landed on according to jim and it just kind of happened guy by guy person by person you know keegan got mad tv and just slowly they just sort of started taking the respect that they you know that yeah. they deserved yeah and I, so. I think you can see just in the subsequent like all the people that you know they came through here or right. were a part of it like what they've gone on to do yeah you know? it's shifted over the years i yeah. think for sure so is there like a perception now because i've heard that detroit has a pretty good like in terms of improv has a pretty good reputation now yeah. like the yeah. people that come out of there i mean i i think that we all have credit for that it does have a good reputation and i think part of that is because of things like the detroit improv festival you know mm -hmm. look what has happened in the last i mean now this is five years i can't believe it's yeah. five years how many have you come for all five and years so i wasn't here last year because we had just moved oh okay that was the only one i missed mm -hmm. but um we had we'd been there three weeks or something when the dif right. happened i was sad yeah. to miss it but you know when somebody like susan messing comes or you know tj jagodowski or whatever comes to your festival and goes back home is like i had the best time in detroit yeah that's all you need because everyone in our world <laughs> listens to them yeah you know 
so if somebody like that tweets, what a blast at the DIF, you know, that has changed our world. Mm -hmm. You know, social media, all of that. We are a smaller improv world and community than we used to be, for sure. So I think that we all can take some credit for that. But I definitely agree with that. I think that there's a, I think the Planet Ant has, has, you know, a lot to do with that. I think, again, give credit to Margaret. I think to keep that going for 15 years, to keep any theater going in 15 years, mm-hmm. for 15 years. They've kept the, the Monday nights at the Ants going longer than we kept Second City Detroit open. Yeah, that's I mean, true. that's amazing. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. You know, with, that, with the machine that's behind Second City. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, granted, it's a small, <laughs> we have a smaller house to fill. Yeah, but still. But I mean, yeah. through bad and good, you know, because the Monday nights are fantastic now, but we had some Monday nights where it was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. more of us than them <laughs> over the years. And so to watch it grow again, I mean, there's definitely been a resurgence. And I think it's, I think we can call it a community now, mm-hmm. you know, and that's neat. That's exciting to me. Yeah. So, and I think you're right. I think it does have respect or they're just too scared to say it to Faces. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good part about being from Detroit. Well, you're from Detroit. It's like, yeah. you know. If they don't respect us, they're never yeah, going to tell us. I know. A lot of violent suggestions. <laughs> they're afraid you know. we're going to stab them. Yeah. Yes Yes, and shoot. You know, right. so. Yes, and you're dead now. Yeah. <laughs> for insulting my town and its improbabilities. Yeah. So in your childhood and stuff, because you said you mentioned like walking over here that mm-hmm. uh, your brother worked at the box office. Yeah, he did. Second City. Yeah. So like, was he, he an was improviser? An actor. Yeah, he was an actor. He was an improviser. Hilarious, hilarious guy. Yeah, my whole family loved to laugh. Like we grew up laughing, laughing, laughing. And I think cherishing that as a really important skill to have. Mm-hmm. My dad was a really super funny and charming guy. And, and uh, I think we grew up watching my parents, you know, love to laugh together and love to laugh at their friends. And it was, yeah, it was, it's my main memory of my house was, you know, cracking up a whole lot. So yeah. And I, and I think my brother also introduced me to the, you know, the comedians at the time. I mean, I grew mm. up during the seventies and eighties when it was like, you know, I remember Saturday Night Live coming out and all of that. And Gilda Radner was my idol. And, yeah. you know, my brother would listen to the Steve Martin's Wild and Crazy guy album over and over again on headphones and yeah. so that was sort of, sort of where I learned comic timing and he and I would watch TV you know this is pre-cable and we'd watch you know MASH or whatever and these shows and we'd we'd memorize scenes. Did you watch SCTV? Like dorks. Oh yeah yeah actually SCTV for mm-hmm. sure and uh, we could my brother had that uncanny ability to just sort of recite a scene after he'd seen it one time so the next night at the dinner table we'd be you know doing scenes but you like we all do right when yeah. you dialogue back and forth Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't think you realize it at the time but I think you're training I think you're learning your comedic timing and I think you're training your brain to to think that way and to learn that way you know yeah. and I mean I tell my improv students all the time that it, it's not about <clears throat> being necessarily the funniest person in the room the way you'd think of telling jokes yeah. it's more about uh, you know being able to mine down into yourself for how you feel about everything or how the character feels about everything you know it's just about being able to make those clear choices about how that person feels and the fun obviously as we all know will take care of itself within yeah. the situation that's the the ironic thing is you learn you think you're learning to be funny all those years and then you start learning improv and the first thing they tell you is don't worry about being funny yeah I went through it because I come from like a like doing stand-up and mm-hmm. uh, doing like humor writing I was a journalist for a while and oh, doing nice. all that and then I came to improv and doing short form that was a big help you know yeah. and then long form I'm like oh I have to redo oh, everything you know yeah there. yeah so yeah I think the guys that I worked with in the second city cast I remember like Jerry Minor Rico Bruce Wade is another really good example everybody that comes at it from stand-up I think has that shift to make because you're used to protecting yourself there's yeah. nobody there to have 
have your back. Yeah. So if it, if something goes down, you immediately step out to save it. Yeah. And I mean, these are two of the most generous guys, you know, that I've ever known. Rico is one of the best guys in the world, you know, and I, it's just that instinct of like, yeah, you, like you don't you, have anybody. You're yeah. not used to having six <laughs> other people there, right? To yeah. Help too. So you just step down and do it. But I think actors, I think people who've come at improv from theater backgrounds mm-hmm. are, um, yeah, I mean, this is why Keegan is, people say that he's so amazing at creating characters. And it's like, yeah, the guy's got a master's in theater. You know, it's like he's an amazing actor. Yeah. And I think people will only begun to see what he can do. And, and uh, I think that's what he can embody any character. And that's all we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Is putting these people on stage yeah. and embodying them. And, you know, it's acting without a script. Right. Yeah. John uh, and John and I were taking an improv class together. Quentin Hicks, as we were saying, Uh, Mm -hmm. there's a guy in there, Pat, who actually went to school like uh, Keegan was his classmate. And he was just telling us about how he was even amazing like back then, like he went went to see him at a show and stuff. He's yeah, he's definitely got that that thing and so many of the folks that I worked with at the Second City Detroit do and that's what's amazing is uh, you know you don't realize when you're when you're in your early 20s and you're starting out working with those people that you you think they're the best, most talented people you've ever known but you don't realize that they're going to be some of the most talented people you've ever known you know yeah. what I mean like it was, I was so lucky to work with so many of the people that I did and to learn side by side with them because you guys learn every time you improvise in your classes every time you play in front of an audience certainly so I was learning shoulder to shoulder with you know with Josh Funk every night on stage and you know because the way we learn if whether we're doing it right or not is solely on whether the audience laughs or not that's it they are the ultimate judge of what we do so i think that it's something that you you learn trial by fire right you know well especially for you right because did you actually go through formal improv training before you auditioned you didn't right i mean yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) no i didn't she's shaking her head no (laughs) so just to get into how you got into improv like what first because you said you did it in college your college group what uh, school did you go to in LA? western michigan for oh now oh. i went to the american academy of dramatic arts oh, okay but i went to two years at western first oh okay and it was not an improv group so but I it mean, was I just short playing form games like in my friend's living room but yeah. honestly i don't remember ever doing a show but yes it was totally short form i didn't even know what long form was back then you know and so when you audition for second city what did they have you do did they have you do like a monologue oh my God. Or that audition went on for a week no wow. joke we started on monday with I don't know how many thousands people show up for these jobs. I mean, you know, it's an acting job in Detroit. It's an equity acting job in Detroit. Yeah. Like it was, uh, yeah, 2,000 people, 3,000 people. I don't know. Wow. And then they cut down to like 500. I just remember every night the phone would ring with a callback. And I went Monday through Friday every day. I was like, can you come back tomorrow? Can you come back tomorrow? Can you come back tomorrow? And then the final, and we did everything from cold reads to playing, you know, I remember playing party quirks and I had a dog on my face. And I remember the stage manager telling me after that, he's like, that was when I voted for you. It was like, you committed to that. It's like, I remember at one point somebody said something and you liked the idea. And so you started going like this, like the dog's tail was wagging. Yeah. And But it was one of those, like, it was like improv boot camp to the point where yeah. you're just like shell shocked. I don't even remember half of what I did that week. It was like, yes, I'm spinning plates and I'm yeah. telling jokes. And I'm doing, I was trying so hard, you know. And But we did cold reads, we did everything. And then on Friday, I got the job and we didn't know that they wanted us immediately. Like the girl I was replacing, her last night was Sunday and I thought it was going to be like we're going to bring you in slowly for a month so they took us upstairs one by one and we thought they were doing these personal interviews like okay we've done all of the audition now we're going to interview you and see what we think they were telling us Mm -hmm. and so the other two girls went up first and they came down I'm like what they ask you in the interview and they were like "Mm." they didn't want to talk about it yeah they're rude yeah and then I went upstairs and I I don't think I'd even sat down yet and they were like we liked what you did this week and we'd like to offer you the job it was crazy and I went home with a 
videotape and the script. And I had one day to learn the whole main stage show. Wow. And then Sunday was my put in and Wednesday was my first night. That was it. And I remember sitting out in the house Friday night because that theater was impressive. I mean, it was 375 seats, mm -hmm. all tables and chairs, you know, and it was just that it was a gorgeous theater. And the lights go down, and they had that gobo, that Second City logo gobo on the stage that would shine right on the stage of the Second City. Yeah. And I just got these goosebumps, and was like, "There's no way that that's me that I get to do this." You know, it was just it was the craziest feeling. In Did the your world. family come out for your first night? Oh yeah, or? oh yeah, and many times after that, uh, yeah. it became my parents' favorite stop to bring their friends. So they come all the way from uh, near Flint. Yeah, they, I think they were living in Clarkston by then, okay. but still, it was a drive. But yeah, they loved it. They'd bring their friends down, their family, and my mom, my mother still re refers to that cat my original cast is you kids i just <laughs> thought you kids were the funniest kids i'd ever seen no one made me laugh like you kids uh so yeah it was it was uh, it was a great group it was a wonderful time and and what's crazy about it is you know as improvisers we come in and this is why i'm so grateful to this craft you go in as an actor like i did musical mm -hmm. theater actor no less yeah. there's no less there's no less employable thing in the world than that <laughs> and you come out a writer a director you know an editor a teacher and that's how i make my living 20 years later yeah. you know what i mostly what i do on a day-to-day -day basis is i teach I write, I coach, you know, and these are the skills that I would not have if it wasn't for Second City and if it wasn't for improv, and I'm so grateful for it. And did they start you on that right away, like the writing and... Oh, yeah. We went in. I mean, I came, I joined a show. They cast when shows, when you're not yeah. in the process, yeah. obviously, but they usually cast because they're getting ready for a process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we actually went into a process with, again, at the time, you don't realize who you're working with, a guy named Tom Giannis, who went on after us to direct Pinata Full of Bees, which was the first show that went from stand standard review style, which they'd been doing since 1959, to a long-form show with callbacks. And it, I mean, now that sounds so run-of-the-mill. It blew everyone's minds. Yeah. It was like, what characters are coming back? What is going on? Yeah. It like told a story and had a narrative and it was insanity. And he was, you know, he's gone on to direct, he directed all the Tenacious D stuff and he's oh, okay. just an amazingly talented guy. And yeah, you know, you don't, you don't know who you're working with at that time. It's like, oh, here's our director, Tom. Okay, you know, and we did a heck of a show. It was amazing to be able to write satirical comedy for Detroit, for that town at that time. You know, I mean, this wasn't far after like Coleman Young, that far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're talking the early to mid 90s. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we had a song about white flight called Movin'. <laughs> that were singing to the people who flew. Yeah. <laughs> because those are the yeah, people yeah. who drove downtown to see yeah, the show. Yeah. So it was like, you know, so they're all sitting out in the house having driven down from Birmingham and Bloomfield, you mm -hmm. know, and we're singing this song about, I remember one of the lyrics of the song was, instead of 5.30, we'll get home at 6. Our, our lawns are so tidy. Our house is so pretty. One day we'll commute downtown from Traverse City. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just all about like, and so it was a white family. And because that was the other great thing was yeah. we had three african-americans in that cast oh, okay so and that had never been done in chicago ever okay. ever ever so we were able to say things because i think they felt very strongly like if we're yeah. going to tell the detroit yeah. narrative yeah, we're going to exactly. tell it right yeah. so jerry minor angela shelton and chris smith were the three in the cast at the time and they wrote some brilliant, edgy, great, fantastic stuff that addressed race. And mm -hmm. it was, it was, we, we said some stuff, you know, we took advantage of that because that's your job, you know, yeah. and to be able to kind of explore that at 23, 24, like, what do I want to say? You don't even know what you want to say at that age, you know, yeah. so that was neat. It was, it was really cool. I don't remember how we got on that. I don't even no, know if I answered like, your that, question. That's exactly how this podcast <laughs> okay. is, believe me. Yeah. It's like, okay, good. <laughs> 
you're like, yeah, we asked you where you were born. Yeah. <laughs> and you told us about yeah. a Rachel song yeah, you wrote. Exactly. So thanks for that. But that's, that's what I heard about the difference between Detroit and Novi was the amount of edgy stuff they could do. Yeah. yeah. But you were, you were gone by that time. No, I actually oh, taught out in Novi. Oh, I, I, I performed a little bit out there too. Toward the end, they started bringing in, once the main stage cast was gone from there, they would bring in like best of reviews. Yeah. And I did a couple right at the very end. Uh, Songs of the Second City. We did a we did one where we actually did that moving song. Oh, that really? was really awkward. Yeah. And then we did like a political show out there. And yeah, I was in a couple right at the end. But I taught out there right up until the oh, very okay. end. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely because there's only you know when when the, there was an actual main stage cast out there that were who were supposed to write original material. I mean, what you know, what are you going to write about? You know yeah. what I mean? Like. There's a long uh, line yeah. at the Froyo place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, Property like, taxes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, am I right? Like lawn maintenance. Like what's the worst thing happening in Nova? You know. <laughs> so yeah, it just takes that bite right away. I mean, there is a reason why the word city is in the name Second City. Yeah. You know, it's, it's second suburb. It is yeah, not like, supposed to be second suburb. Yeah. It just was not invented to be that at all. You know, I mean, back in the day when it started, you're talking, you know, Mike Nichols and Severin Darden in suits smoking cigarettes on stage, you know, debating about politics politicians for 45 minutes and the audience going yes yeah i mean <laughs> audiences were so much more patient yeah. back then and we've just we're idiocracy yeah. now we just yeah. want fast, that is a great movie fast food way. comedy yeah. it really is um i thought about it so much during the republican debate the other night <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's really becoming like idiocracy. yeah it's, it's really unbelievable oh, i don't want to talk about that <laughs> 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 so you say you make most of your your living through training and writing like what's what to be a successful writer trainer what do you have to do let the people of Detroit know well I think that you know everyone's path is different you know and I'm still on mine you know I moved to LA a year ago so you know I would still love you know we all keep wanting things in this business I would still love to parlay what I've done all these years into like writing for television full-time which I've never gotten to do you know I write a lot of video stuff uh, one of my dear friends Amy Phillips she's an impressionist and she does a lot of videos for Bravo she does like the real housewives and stuff like that we is do a lot of videos for them or? she is okay yeah. yeah I was gonna say she's the pretty one but it's every single one of them <laughs> it's like no that's Mary Beth and Naima and Jamie that's everyone and um, you and yeah. me uh yeah no amy is a brilliant impressionist and her page on or her channel on youtube is called meet amy phillips and you won't believe what this girl can do because it isn't just the real housewife she does everybody you know and mm -hmm. but uh but we we regularly kind of write videos for for the those folks at bravo and i i write shows now like i have a show that i wrote and directed that's running at the second city in hollywood called armageddon so yeah, it's um just about, it's almost uh, wrapped up it's uh yeah, yeah actually well yeah I, I, I guess, can use I guess we could say here I don't think it'll be a big deal we're gonna extend it through oh, the end of the year we okay. haven't really announced you guys just got the exclusive exclusive oh. um, we are gonna we are gonna extend I think through the end of the year but we're not really saying that yet because we've kind of found that uh, when you announce that then as soon as you say that people are like oh we've got months to get to that show yeah, yeah. You know, everybody so in LA listens to this podcast that's yeah <laughs> that's our primary that's you know right. people in LA listen about the Detroit improv scene that's you know right yeah that's what they want to know. What's going on in Detroit? Um, yeah, no, it's been a blast of a show. It's got a phenomenal musical director named Dan Wessels. Uh, he was one of many people who wrote the music for uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, the musical that ran off Broadway last year. He's just 
insanely talented and a fantastic cast. Uh, it's running tonight, actually, in in Los Angeles at eight o'clock. But um, it's been a, that's been a joy. So I so stuff like that, which I just wrote that one, like sat down at my computer and wrote it. Or I also work as a director a lot, writing like supervising a cast of people, mm-hmm. writing like the main stage cast does. Um, but I think in terms of making your living as a writer, you know, it's it's any way you can get there. I think if, P, if you've got to decide what you want to write, you know, and go yeah. for that rapidly. If you want to write for late night then try to get into the NBC you know late night writers program if you want to write for sitcoms then take somebody's sitcom writing class you know spec writing class or whatever you've got to you've got to narrow down what you want to do I think I think focus uh, is and not to say that we can't all multi- multitask in this business because you know God knows I do but uh, I think that 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 helps a lot especially for writers it's like well what do you want to write you know because that's that's a really general that is a wide broad yeah. term you know and so if the more specificity you can have with that, the better off you're going to be. Um, as far as coaching and teaching goes, you know, I don't know when the magic number is that you can, that you're, you know, mature from student into teacher with improv. I think, maybe the 10,000 hour rule. Maybe. Whatever, I think so. you wake up one day and you feel like you've got something to tell somebody about yeah. this. You know, I think we, I learn every single time I do it, good or bad. I'll learn tonight when I'm doing these shows, you know. And then I just try to share what I do and my philosophy behind it. I would say for someone who wants to be an improv teacher, coaching is perhaps a good place to start, you know, in this market now. There's a million billion troops out there yeah. and they're all looking for coaches. So if you've, you know, if you've got friends who are just kind of one rung down below you who are like, hey, we just started a troop and we'd love some advice and you want to start off as a coach because a coach is really, what is it? It's an outside eye, right? Yeah. It's, hey, this is where a good edit would have maybe been helpful in yeah. that scene or you haven't played a character in a month (laughs) you know that that kind of advice some object work eventually (laughs) right exactly (laughs) once you get a suggestion of aware you should actually put the scene there you know um but i mean once you've got anything to impart i think and so maybe coaching is a good way to get into that and then teaching uh sort of naturally comes from there you know it's uh teaching improv you know if you told me 15 16 years ago that i was still going to be an improv teacher this this much later i you know i don't think i would have believed it but it's a joy it's it's so much fun to do so does that, that again i don't know if i've answered your question no that answers it was just i find it interesting how people can make money off of improv because it's yeah. so much of it at the low levels just like yeah let's go do stuff for free everybody yeah well i think there was a small handful of us who were able to do it here in this market and boy did i feel lucky to be able to do it here around yeah. my family and i think that's probably one of the reasons why i didn't move out to la till last year yeah. <laughs> because it's you know i i had it going on here it's like this is my family's here my friends are here this is you know it's 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 you know easy to not easy but it's you know it's comfortable to be able to to do what you love to do and, and stay in this market and be here. Uh, but but even I, you know, you get to the point where you just kind of want to see what you can do and what projects, how you can expand in different ways and, you know, where you could take this thing. And could I perhaps, you know, play a role? I mean, not even as an actor, but play any kind of role as a writer or, you know, showrunner or whatever in a successful show one day. Like, it's time to kind of see what I could do with this thing. And that was, and it didn't hurt, of course, that so many of my great friends are out there. You know, yeah. I mean, one by one, a lot of the screw 
group that I've been telling you about from the Second City in Detroit have all kind of found their way out to L.A. So is that your network of like, I mean, you hang out with, you guys hang out outside of uh, improv and stuff? Yeah, or? we do. It's tough to, I was just talking to somebody about this last night. It's really tough to see each other out there. It's such mm -hmm. a huge city. The traffic's awful. Everything's crowded and expensive. So, you know, you go home after work and you're like, I'm not leaving my house again. So mm -hmm. I don't think we see each other as much as people think we do. I think yeah. on Facebook and stuff, people think it's just yeah. like well, an I endless mean, party over at someone's house. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and Mama's Boy is a great example of that because every one of those girls I met at the Second City in Detroit and every one of them individually asked me to play with them when I moved out there. Like, hey, we should play together. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, yeah, that would be great. Why don't we all play together? You know, and so that's how Mama's Boy was born. And it's so awesome because it's it's for those of you who don't know, Mama's Boy is five girls, five women. And we play with one male guest each time. Yeah, you played with uh, Tim Meadows last night. Tim Meadows last night here ovation. at the DIF. Yeah, that was a blast. And um, we've been lucky enough to get some amazing guys to play with us. Uh, all of our Second City Detroit pals a while. Keegan has done it, Josh and all these guys. But also like Wayne Brady, Asif Monvi, you know, Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead. We've had some really wonderful people. And it's been a blast to watch those guys play. And so basically we bring them in and we play a set with them. And, um, you know, it's so funny because so many of these guys guys who have had 5, 10, 15, 20 years of improv experience, I say, have you ever played a set just you and five women? And they're like, no, never. Yeah. And I'm like, do you know how many sets I've played <laughs> of me and five guys? Yeah. Like a cabillion. So it's kind of neat to turn those tables. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that specifically because yeah. I really enjoyed seeing um, the show last oh, night. Thanks. And as a woman mm -hmm. in improv, I don't know if it's always She been... might be. She might not be. It's a mystery. She's anonymous. We don't <laughs> yeah, know. that's true. We might be putting her through a voice change. That's Maybe. right. Um, but as a woman in improv, like I don't know if it's always been that way, but in my experience, I'm the only girl a lot of the time. Yeah. So it was really nice to see yeah. a group of women. I, our business is definitely changing. I mean, when I started, if you took a suggestion of a relationship and someone said doctor and nurse, and I stepped down, and I know this because I've tested it before, and I stepped down and said, nurse, would you please hand me those forceps and made myself the doctor, it would get gasps and laughs. <laughs> like, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> Frederick, she made herself the doctor. <laughs> Incredulous. <laughs> Um, it is definitely changing, and we owe big props. Let's pour some out to pour some out. They're still with us. Yeah. I mean, people like Tina Fey, you know, Amy Poehler. I mean, these, these women—they like are, are changing the face of you know. There's, I, I don't think women aren't funny can even begin to fly anymore. You know what I mean? Thanks to so many of these amazing women, but. I will say that, I mean, our gender role's still there? Absolutely. I think, uh, unfortunately, we are not raised to be funny. We are raised to be sweet. We are raised to be pretty. We are raised to be quiet. And then the job is, when you then go into comedy, is to kind of have that rooted out of you and pulled out of you. And we often have further to go than guys. I didn't. I was obnoxious. No, but, uh, <laughs> I was just a loud broad. No, but I mean, I mean, many of us women have have further to go than guys in terms of expressing our opinions. You know, in a group of people, we're not the ones to stand up and shout out. You know, if you're in a meeting with nine guys and you. Do you, you know, we're kind of used to, without even thinking about it, letting them all speak first. And I will say this, I have never, 
ever worked with a guy in 20 years, worked with a guy in my cast, in any cast, who has kept me down in any way, who has been misogynistic to me. I mean, I don't think it comes from that. I think more often than not, and I might take crap for this, more often than not, we stop ourselves in this business. I really do. I know there are guys out there. Absolutely. Do I know that there are stand-ups and guys out there who are like, women aren't funny, don't listen to her. Do I think there are guys in Hollywood who don't want to give jobs to women? Of course, I'm not naive. But I'm talking about on that stage, in that set, never ever have I stepped down down and had a guy put his hand on my arm like I got this baby you know what I mean like never have I told someone had someone tell me not to enter a scene or hold back more or you know didn't want to be in my scene that I was pitching or anything like that I've only worked with personally guys who were supportive wonderful and treated me as their equal and I think it's because I behaved as their equal and, you know, there's a great story about Amy getting to Saturday Night Live. You guys have probably heard that polar. And she was in the writer's room with Tina and Tina was introducing her around to everybody. And she said something and someone said, oh, I don't think that's very lady. She told her she did some bit, some character. And someone said, oh, I don't think that's very ladylike. And she just turned around and went, I don't care what you think. And she was completely serious and scared the crap out of the guy. And she meant it a thousand percent. But of course, she did it in character, yeah. you know. But that's kind of a famous woman warrior story, you know, because then she just went on to kind of own the joint and because if you've got the talent to back it up eventually they're going to listen to you and I that's what I tell the women I teach like just own it and if you step out there and you do it right and you do it well and you get your laughs just like the guy standing next to you who's going to have the guts to tell you to sit back down yeah well, you have a show to get to. I do. We don't take any I more do. of your time. I'm sorry, I told we, you I would talk. Yeah, no, no. For like three days. But we, uh, I'm getting the the signal from John here, so we're gonna wrap it up. But thank you so much. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. Guys. We really appreciate it. Thank Nancy you. Hayden, That's everybody. Yay, You're amazing, guys. and we love you. Oh, I love you guys. DIF. And we're back. So <laughs> we're just laughing at the stuff I cut out. That was a really interesting interview. I thought. Because a lot of the stuff I don't know is about the history of Detroit improv. And I think most of the improvisers that are coming up now yeah. really don't know where. I knew there was a second city, but I didn't know. Yeah, the interviews we've gotten up till now was about the closing of second city. This yeah. one was about the start of second city in Detroit. Yeah, and one thing I was talking, thinking about was it's crazy to think about the, the level of competition because I'd, I tried out for the launch cast and I remember saying like, wow, 40 people, that's a record, you know? And yeah, then she's yeah. talking about three or 4,000 people trying out. Yeah. She was one of two that got hired from 4,000. Yeah, that's crazy. But again, thanks to her and yeah, uh, look for her. She's part of the 313. She's part of Mama's Boy. Um, you know, if you ever get out, a chance to get out to LA and see her or Jamie. Coming up next uh, is the interview we just finished like a couple hours ago. And that is with Jamie Moyer, and uh, let's hear it. Hi, and uh, we're here with star of stage and screen and uh, star of this week's past Detroit Improv Festival, Michigan native and facial expression master, Jamie Moyer, everybody. Hi. Well, thank you for that yeah. round of applause. I know. It's, I've learned how to clap with one hand yeah. you know, since starting this podcast. That's my, part of my skill set. <laughs> So thanks a lot, Jamie, for doing this. Uh, you just wrapped up the fifth Detroit Improv Festival here in Detroit. Have you been to all five? Or I have been to all five. And how would this year compare with all the others? Wow. You know, it's so funny because last year was like a magical festival. And uh, I saw so many great shows last year. And I thought, well, nothing will ever beat that year. But then I thought, I think this year edged it out. Like, this was just so fun. I saw some great shows. It's always good to come home and be with my friends. My friends are like my family. I'm an only child, so my friends are just 
everything to me and to Mm -hmm. see them all and to get to play with your best friends. Like, it's just a blast. I came back with Mama's Boy, which is a group that we founded in L.A., but everyone in the group is a Michigan native. So it's me, Mary Beth Monroe, Naima Funk, Nancy Hayden Edwards, and Amy Phillips. And we are all women. Yeah, and they got a standing ovation, by the way. Yeah, the only oh. standing ovation I saw. We, uh, we were there on uh, uh, Saturday, was that? Yeah, Saturday. No, Friday. 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 Sorry. Look, your, your story is. I'm gonna cut the. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna cut that out. I'm nervous about this because I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. During the show, a phone went off. I don't know if you remember that, and you answered it, and it was my phone. Uh, <laughs> now uh, I looked at him with shame. Oh, it, Tony, you it, bad boy. <laughs> in my defense, look, I'm very sensitive about always putting my ringer off, and I had my ringer off, but. I worked from home and I had a meeting at 11.30 a.m. on Friday. And the alarm never went off and I didn't think about it. And then 11.30 p.m. during the show, the alarm went off. Oh, that has happened to me before. Really? (laughs) And then Mary Beth Monroe called me a dick, which I deserved. Yeah, that was so funny. And I was like, oh my God, now I have to interview her. Should I tell her? I'm like, I have to tell her. Yeah, I'm glad you told me. Mm -hmm. I I think it's important to be honest. I'm glad you (laughs) fessed up. Yeah, you'll get nothing but that in this interview. Yeah, do you feel a a weight has been lifted off your shoulders? I do, yeah. I feel like I went on a a crash soul diet and I lost like 10 pounds just now. (laughs) It's amazing. Well, you're welcome. All right, thank you. You're changing lives, really. I'm trying like hell, you guys. So what was your favorite moment, would you say, of the festival? You said this is like you said, like in terms of like watching other people, you said you got to see a lot of other actors. Um, I watched, I loved Human Amusements. I love them. They're so fun. I got to watch their show. I got to watch Fuzzballs. Okay. Because um, you guys know, obviously, uh, Tommy Leroy, who is one of the founders of this theater, Go Comedy. Mm -hmm. Him and his wife, Michelle, who I've known for years, they're so talented at like making things. And they're just like, you go to their house and there's like special bins of Legos and shit. Like they're just yeah. like so creative. And so I wanted to see the puppets they made and, and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to do, We briefly I did an improvised puppet show in LA, which is founded by a guy in Chicago called Felt. And it was so much fun, and but we only did it like three times, and then he moved back to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "This is where the puppet game's at." That's you right. Know, the puppet to... game is hot in yeah, Shack yeah, Town. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever Have you ever done improv in Chicago? Have you ever gone out there for anything? I have. I well, I've gone out for the twenty four hours letters to Santa. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to play the improv sets at Second City. You know, when you're an alum of Second City, you mm-hmm. can. Just as you remember, uh, alum of the Second City I'm Detroit. I'm alum of Second City Detroit. Yeah, yeah I'm mm-hmm. actually the last one. So I'm the last one in the books. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is bittersweet, I must say. Mm-hmm. But um, so uh, whenever you go to another Second City, there's like, you know, sometimes if someone knows you're there, they'll say like, hey, do you want to play the set afterwards? And it's such an honor to get up on that stage and, and improvise. And uh, I, I, was, uh, I was lucky enough to be there for Tim Robinson's last night. Mm. And he and I actually did a scene that we wrote in Second City, Detroit, one of my favorite scenes of all time. When you have your last night at Second City, they do kind of, you can do a best of, you can do scenes you've done in the past, you know, people give speeches. It's really this wonderful night, very cathartic. And so we did a scene that, that we wrote called Down River. 
which was awesome to like do a, a sketch on that stage. So that, but that's really the only time. And then Mark Warzeka wrote a show called Homecoming and I played his mom and he, we drove, I drove to Chicago and did that show six weeks in a row. So every Friday I would drive to Chicago and we would do the show Friday night and then we'd come back Saturday morning. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that was really fun. So how did you, how long have you been doing improv now? I think that I've been doing improv since 2001. Okay. And probably. you're a graduate of UD Mercy. You have a theater degree? Yes, I have a theater okay. degree from UD Mercy. And did you start doing improv in college? Or I was didn't. It? Okay. And, and I actually was very scared of improv at first, mm. which is just... I just was like, I was very, I was very kind of closed minded about it as far as I'd go, I want the script. I need a script. I don't, I can't make it up off the top of my head. I need a script. And I, I just remember saying that so often. And then after I graduated, I started classes at Second City Detroit and I was just, I became hooked pretty fast and I would drive down there and watch the shows. Like I always tell my students, you learn so much by watching people. You learn you learn from watching it. And, and we would just sit in the back of the, the house and watch the set every night. From there, I was hired, while I was in the classes, I was hired into the touring company. And in the beginning, I loved doing all the archive stuff, but I would get nervous about improvising at the set because I always felt like I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm missing something. I'm still in classes and I don't understand how to do this. And then all of a sudden I just, the more I was doing it, the more I was like, okay, I'm not a fraud. Mm -hmm. And now it's like my favorite thing in the world. And I have to tell you to all your listeners and to yeah. you four beautiful people that um, I really believe in the culture of yes. And like, we're nearly cultish about it, but like opening, saying yes and, or just yes, period is, why I have a career. Improv is the only reason that I have a career right now. Well, I, I don't know if it's the only reason, but it's a huge part of my career. Mm -hmm. And so taking that class was saying yes, and then asked to be in a show, you say yes. And if, you know, I just try to say yes to any opportunities because you just never know where it might lead or what you might learn. So then I just fell in love with it. And then from there I was a teacher and I got hired and I would improvise at the home team at Planet Ant and from there I wrote shows at Planet Ant and then you're also a member of the Planet Ant I'm a team. Planet Ant home team member and I was actually artistic director for a time okay. and um, I moved to LA in 2009 and the minute I arrived I had a job at Second City Hollywood because I'm an alum and I'm a teacher and so I went down there and I met everybody and luckily they had just had a rush of people leaving mm -hmm. so I had a job which is one of the hardest things about going to LA and yeah. teaching at night frees up the days for auditions and if you're shooting something. So it, it's really worked out nice. And you are in a couple of shows, right? Yeah, you've been on uh, Two Broke Girls, yes. uh, Parks and Rec, mm -hmm. Jennifer Falls. Ooh. Yeah. Tony's been on my IMDb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great profile picture, by the way. Oh, thank like, you. Thank you. It's like, you know, questioning but welcoming. Oh, like, thank hey, you. Yeah, that's, so, that's, yeah. that's what I was going yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I have a recurring part now on a Disney show. Okay, what's that show? It's called Casey Undercover. It's uh, Zendaya's show. She's a, oh, like yeah, a the, famous Disney gal. Yeah, well, I know her just because uh, Juliana Rancic uh, oh, made yeah. fun of her, her dreads. You yeah, know? that's exactly right. Yeah. That was very wrong, Juliana, yeah. if you're listening. I know. She's For a shame. huge fan of your she just got Yeah, she just got kicked <laughs> off. She just got, got kicked off emails. Yeah. I work from home. I look at the internet a lot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was also our first plug, by the way. 
Oh, so, wow. yeah. There you have yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. That's, I'll check that off the list. <laughs> oh, and then you're also doing Planet Ant West out there. That's a new thing. Yeah, yeah. isn't that great? So yeah. we have Planet Ant West is home team members who now live in Los Angeles. And we do a set every other week at the Second City Hollywood. And we do kind of the same thing we do here. We have a Name the Home Team contest. We give a prize. Mostly we've been giving away better made chips because we got a bunch of them for the first night. We didn't give them all away. So we give away uh, better made chips and we've given away Fago Pop. And we're just, notice I said pop. Yes. Because yeah. I always will. That's right. But uh, so The insane clown posse would be proud. That's right. So. Thank you. Do you do the, uh, the Laurent Namando the out yep, there? Yep, we do the exact okay. thing we do here, the Laurent Namando. And I had a lot of fun doing that set last night. We did Planet at Home Team here at the festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that was a sold out show, or it's been sold out for weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what we're looking wow. at. So wow. that, that's good for you, but not for us. We missed it. I know. <laughs> for some Sorry, reason, they, we couldn't throw our press, our media credential weight around. They're you like, guys need to like, get hey? some laminated passes. I know. That's really that's like the the sexy accoutrement here this that's weekend. Right. You know, Jim had one. We were all jealous because yeah. he volunteered. I was volunteering, and it was great to volunteer because I just worked merchandise in the lobby. And then I'd come in and watch the show. Oh, so cool. It was perfect. I have to tell you, these guys really put on a great festival this year. It was just so fun, and I'm so proud of everybody. And I just loved how everything came together. You know, sometimes you go, go out of town on shows and, and do shows or whatever, and sometimes people want to hang out afterwards, and sometimes they don't. And, like, mm -hmm. we like to hang out. Like, yeah. I remember, I won't name any names, but I remember yeah. we did a festival <laughs> once, and afterwards I was like, where, where are the people that are running this? Like, where are we going right now? And then all of us were like, let's just go out. And we all just went out by ourselves. Like we didn't, you know, there was just no one around. I was like, who's in charge right now? Like, Was it the Albuquerque Improv uh, Festival? That's I, my guess. I said I won't say oh, okay. it. <laughs> I will never tell. Oh, that was my Mike Wallace moment. I really tried. You really tried. I know. Yeah, you really went. You tried to sneak it in there. Yeah. And I thought the venues were great this year because they're all within walking distance. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, think it I all, love yeah. being at local. I yeah, thought that was really I'd never fun. been there before. Yeah. I, I really think they're just growing the festival in a beautiful way. And they had great people come in. And it was an honor to play with Tim Meadows, who was just so friendly and hilarious. Like, he was just a great guy. And uh, Horatio Sands was awesome. And I got to play the All-Star show with those two. And being with the 313 was... I mean, it's just like being with your best friends. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it, you know, anyone that improvises knows that we do it just for the joy of being with people we enjoy, you yeah. know, yeah. like it's, it's a really a great way to spend time with people and have fun creatively and not learn how to play an instrument. <laughs> it's like being in a band with no instruments, except we, except we all do object work. And so we look like we play everything. Yeah. <laughs> So how did you choose uh, theater as your path? I heard, is your father an actor? Or? Yeah, my father's an actor and my mother is also an actor. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, both my parents are actors and they both, they really didn't want me to do it. They were like, get your degree in something else, sweetheart. And I was like, I'm doing it anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just have always loved live theater. And my mom had a theater when I was growing up, so oh, I just was. Where, where did you like? What city did you grow up in? Here, in Detroit, and okay. she had a theater at the called the Attic Theater, which was in the New Center area. Okay. At first, it was in Greektown. So when I was a little girl, we had a theater in Greektown, and then oh, wow. they moved it to the New Center area. Okay. And she also directs, so I really put in a lot of time enjoying live theater from like the very beginning of my life, really, and I just kind of knew 
I kind of knew and everyone kind of knew too because my personality was pretty it was pretty much set in stone that I would do be doing this <laughs> <laughs> I got my, I actually double majored with communications and theater. But you know, it's funny, I never have been on a job interview. I don't know where my diploma is. Like, <laughs> it just, you know, I've never used it. Yeah, I've never. It's living the dream. So. Uh, it is. I mean, it comes at a cost. Like, it's a kind of a scary life choice, to be certain. Mm -hmm. But it is, I am living my dream. And I, I'm, it's, it's actually really fun. And I'm proud of myself for pushing through the pain. But it's a lot of rejection out there, man. In, yeah, in what's Hollywood. it like auditioning? Yeah, well, deal with that. You know, first of all, you go on these auditions, and if you don't get it, you don't know why. Right. So your worst, your worst voices are telling you you tank the audition, when in reality it could be a, just a myriad of reasons. Yeah. You know, they have someone just like you, or you, you're blonde and the lead's blonde, they need a brunette. Or, you know, the casting director's cousin's an actress. I mean, it could be anything. And you just don't know. So I've gotten close on a couple things and then I don't get them. And then I'm like, you know, sad about it. But the best advice I can give myself is not to... First of all, you have to not covet. Like, you can't covet other people's careers. You have to know that it's your own path. And whatever happens is going to happen whether you worry about it obsess about it or not and if you're going to get the part you're going to get it and if you're not you're not it's just like there's no in between you, you you can't rationalize it and so you just have to go in do your best work that you can at the audition go home and really forget about it yeah and then if you get something it's just very exciting news is that something you like got to look at like from your parents? Like, were your parents just uh, involved with their own theater? Or would they actually go out and audition for other things as well? And did you get to see that side of it? Early I got on? to see that side of it from them as well. My dad especially was a commercial actor. He got a lot of commercial work in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But he retired from acting and, and partially because I think that it is kind of stressful. But I, my dream is to get a sitcom and then just have my dad play my dad and my mom play my mom. Oh, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would be awesome. Are you going to make them uh, audition, put them through the ringer? Yeah, and I'm not going to call them for like a week and yeah. really sweat it out. I just have them call, do callbacks like three or four yeah, times. Yeah, three or four callbacks. I'm, yeah. like, I'm just not believing you as a dad, yeah. right? <laughs> sir. It's like, so you wouldn't buy me more toys? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when I wanted to go to Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, but one other way that I cope with the painfulness of the career is by doing shows. Like, that's one way that I can just have an immediate creative outlet and just go and improvise. Yeah. And so I do about four shows a week in Hollywood. And it's one of the only things I do that's on a permanent schedule. Like, I just go and do my shows on Monday, Wednesday, every other Tuesday, every other Thursday, and occasionally on Saturday. And yeah. then it's just something I can look forward to. And it's a way to be creative. And it's a way to not stress out about the other stuff yeah where do you do your shows at mostly uh second city hollywood and io west okay yeah I, I pretty much go right down the middle i do two at second city two at io would you say that you grew up like in a funny household because you i will say you're hilarious Thank you know yeah no seriously it's like you made me laugh like every time especially at uh the 313 show um i will actually we saw 313 like three times i think between heather and myself we went to the y show I, you i knew uh, you guys look familiar yeah <laughs> yeah so thursday friday saturday we saw but you have a very distinctive voice, you know what I mean, like a real presence. And is that something you think you developed over time? You were saying earlier that, well, I was sort of like, it was sort of, you know, my personality was like set in stone, you know, as younger. Or is it something that, because you really do command 
like the stage, like not just with your voice, but like even I noticed like, you know, with your object work or even how like when my phone rang, you just, you know, you just picked it up and saved and you converted it. Tony, stop bringing it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I, this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I am kind of. Hi, Andy. Andy French just walked hey, in. Hey, what's listeners. up, Andy French? <laughs> celebrity walkbys. Um, a lot of celebrity walkbys. I, I am kind of branding myself as myself. So it is me, but I'm kind of honing in on exactly what, like and when I'm going in on auditions, I'm kind of giving them Jamie 5.0, you know what I mean? Or is that bad? It should be 10.0 or something. <laughs> no, I'm, ramp, I'm yeah. ramping and amping. It's you're, higher, it's higher you're than too young to be on 10.0. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm blushing <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> you're higher than Tosh, you know. He's only on 2.0. Oh, that's so. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Then I'll go back to 5.0. Okay. But I'm just trying to show who I am in a pretty quick way. And that's what you have to do when you go in those rooms. You just have to go like, here's who I am. Boom. And then you're out of the room. It's so fast. Yeah. But I, honestly, I just love improvising so much. I would just do it every day if I could. And I had the 313 shows were fun and everything is, I keep saying fun because God damn it, this is a fun weekend. That's <laughs> yeah, no, good. Yeah, but I thank you for that. And I, I hope to grab people's attention because I really want them to have a good time at the show. I've seen like some of your work on uh, like the Second City Network, like Fancy Cats. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Fancy Cats. Uh, <laughs> Fancy cats. <laughs> but is that something you aspire to do more of while you're out in Hollywood? Are you working on like writing projects and things like that? Well, Tony, I need to do more of that. Sean Hanlon and I co-wrote a show called Yes, We Can. We wrote that show when we were on a Second City. We were on a board Norwegian cruise line doing a Second City show oh. on a cruise line mm -hmm. that sounds like a sweet gig oh it was great i had a blast we, we both did and he actually only came out for the last six weeks he replaced somebody but while he was there we wrote a show and then he produced that show at planet ant out here and then we brought it out to second city hollywood and i performed it there and we turned it from a two act to a one act so he's my writing partner but it's hard when your writing partner lives in detroit yeah. i need to do more writing it's a discipline thing and, yeah. and it's hard because when you when you do what we do, you're, you're, every day is different. So you might have two auditions one day and then you might have three days in a row where you have nothing. Maybe you throw in a coaching session on the fourth day and then maybe, you know, it's, it's very like sporadic. So I need to be more disciplined, which is, you know, I have friends who like get up, they have their coffee, they sit down, they write for two hours and it's like they make it their job. And it's smart because now... And, and for anyone who's listening to this podcast, original content is where it's at. Like, they want you to come with your own voice and say, here's my idea, here's a script, let's make this. Versus in the past, they might, you know, a network might pick up a person and just hold on to them and wait until the right vehicle comes. Like now I think people are giving their own vehicles. Mm -hmm. They're making their own things happen, which is, an, again, another part of yes, just being yes, Andy. So have you had an opportunity to like pitch shows like the one about your parents being your parents on a <laughs> sitcom or? No, I need to do that, don't I? <laughs> yeah, that's actually, a, that's an interesting uh, concept. You know what I mean? Like I watch a show about that, just like a real family, but then they're like playing, you know, real family on TV. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. See, you can use that. Well, that's one of the things I love about improv is it's helped my writing. Yeah, yeah, same here. We're also in a writing class at oh, Planet Ant great. together. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. With Mike McGettigan. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
It does help your writing because sometimes we don't even yes and our own ideas. We're so internal editing, yeah. internally editing ourselves. And so if you can say yes to yourself a little bit more, it is awesome. It's helpful. And it helps a lot too because I can write down something and say, yeah, that would get a laugh on stage. You know, I could say oh, something yeah. like that. And, and you could play a game. You can set up a pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does help. Yeah. I think it's really helped me in terms of like relationships, like, you know, emotional, you know, like the whole concept of like building an emotional relationship with somebody on stage. Oh, absolutely. As opposed to just like telling jokes. Right. Building something from nothing. Well, I, you know, I've even taught workshops where I tell people like if, you know, here's how Yes and can relate to our everyday lives. If you go in and you say to your boss, I want to raise and he goes, no, we don't have the budget for that. It just makes you feel like crap, makes him feel like crap. You go into that same boss and you say, I want to raise. And he looks you in the eye, gives you eye contact and says, yes, I understand you want to raise. We don't have the budget for that. It's just something different about the yes versus the no. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about acknowledging someone's ideas and being an active listener and not just listening, waiting for your next time to talk, but actually listening to a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good for interpersonal relationship skills. I found it to be a great tool, and I think it can work in business. I mean, you know, we, we teach those workshops, and because if you're in a job, let's say, and, and everyone's always saying no to everyone else's ideas, you feel bad because your idea got shot down, so you're quick to shoot someone else's idea down. It's like, well, you said no to me. Well, I'm saying no to you. And, and it's like if everyone just would go, yeah, that's cool. You know, let's, let's spitball on that for a while, and then, you know, you'll get to your better answers. Just yeah. by saying yes, it, it is. I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. If it was not for improv, I'm not sure what I would be doing right now. I just really don't know where I would be in my life, and my career. Was there any alternate uh, career path that no you No backup, baby. No backup uh, plan. I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but even before you set out in theater, were you like, oh, I don't, maybe I'd do this one day or anything? Well, you know, I've always been told that I would be like a good wedding planner or event planner. <laughs> I, I like to throw a good party. And uh, I, I think that I, I think if I worked like at an office or something, I would be a fun person to be like, yeah, you know, a person yeah. you know, or I, you know, like, like oh, a, you have to meet this girl with my office. Yeah, you know? yeah, this girl in my office is a real cut up. Yeah. But I don't know what the backup plan is. So I think it's good. I mean, you know, it's no net. Baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sink or swim. Do you do any, uh, do you have a question, John? Or? Oh, I was just going to say that you're swimming real nice. Ooh. Um, I am blushing. <laughs> question? Well, yeah. Heather wanted to talk about, uh, like, one of your more serious roles. Uh, was it Prayers? Uh, prayers for Bobby. Oh, Prayers for I Bobby. That you were in that. Yes, my lifetime <laughs> movie. lifetime movie. I played Sigourney Weaver's work friend. Ooh. Yeah, but there's a, th there's a story about that. Are you going to tell it? I guess I guess I have to. <laughs> so uh, I had a lot of fun with that part, and uh, but before the show aired, I got a call from my agent, and she's like, "Well, there's good news and bad news." And I go, "What's the what's the good news?" And she's like, "Well, you're in the movie. You know, you're not cut out of the movie. You're you're in a lot of scenes, blah blah blah." And what's the bad news? They dubbed your voice. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they said that your voice is way too distinctive for like the part you play like it was drawing a little bit too much attention because <laughs> you're just work friends so it's not supposed to you don't want the audience to be like what's up with that lady like she's interesting you know you're just supposed wow. to be like hey see you tomorrow yeah so that's i've only ever heard of that for someone like where you can't understand you know what i mean like they're no. speaking a foreign language so now you watch it and you see my mouth move but it's like 
hi, how are you today? It's, 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 like, it's like not me. It's like, hey, Mary, what's up? What's shaking? It's like, oh. So uh, that was very humbling. That was very humbling. I was super upset about that. Did it make you paranoid about your voice throwing out with like the no, people around being like, the hey, what's up, guys? Even my agent was like, it's good because it means that you're interesting. You know, in a way it's good. Like, and I do believe that my voice has helped me greatly. And one of my dreams is to break into animation. And I've got an amazing voiceover agent because of my reel and my reel is all my voice. So, you know, and and even when I'm at like CVS, someone's like, I love your voice. Because I'll be like, hi, how are you? You know. (laughs) 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 So I love love that I have a different voice. But I must say that was a very uh, humbling experience. But the, the fun thing is at the end of the movie, Sigourney Weaver's walking into the courthouse to like help change the laws and her work friends are against her, you know, they don't like that she's for, you know, we think she's being pro-homosexuality and all this crap. So the last day of shooting, they were like, okay, Jamie, you're going to walk, this is as Sigourney's walking in the courthouse, there's all these protesters, God hates gay people and all this stuff. <laughs> so there's a mob of angry people behind us and we walk in and uh, they go, okay, Jamie, Sigourney's going to hit this mark and you just have to give her, a, give her the look. And I'm like, okay, so, so and, and it, it comes across so beautifully on film. So she's like coming up to me and I'm looking at her and it's like, <laughs> it's like for, for you listeners out there, it's a look of like disdain, disappointment, also curiosity yeah. it and, was and yeah. fear, terror. Was really You've seen it? Yeah. Well, I saw it a second ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was really fun. And I also did a movie where I played a jury foreman. This is a serious role called okay. Street Boss. And so I had to deliver the verdict. And there was a courtroom filled with extras and the, the main players. And every time I said guilty, the courtroom would explode. One side was happy. One side was sad. Yeah. That was an adrenaline rush like you would not believe. And again, I was just like, they're like, how do you find? The jury finds the defendant guilty. And then we shot it, you know, like like probably 20 times. Wow. It was a power rush for That's sure, awesome. yeah. I like being an actor for those reasons. You get to do stuff that you, you know, I never would want to be on jury duty for real, and I never have been, actually. But, like, to play the jury foreman in a movie was really, really a good time. Do you enjoy uh, serious uh, roles over comedic roles or vice versa? Does it matter? I love comedic roles. It doesn't matter. I would do anything. And my manager does submit me all the time for like to play in serious shows, but I've never really done it. The movie stuff I've done, I have some serious stuff there, but all my TV show appearances have been comedic, Mm. which is fine. I think that, and my manager always says that comedic actors can play drama, but not all dramatic actors can do comedy. Because yeah. comedy is all about timing, mm-hmm. and you cannot teach timing. I, I firmly believe that. Like, I, I've been an improv teacher for years. I can teach you all the rules and the skills, but it's a matter of timing. And I think that time, comedic timing is something that people are born with. I think you either have it or you don't, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, dramatic actors sometimes don't have the timing. Yeah. They just don't have the timing down. Finally, we have to wrap up here. No, I don't uh, want to. Yeah, well, you're, you're a very busy person. You're, Let's all go to coma. Your manager's in the corner. Uh, your manager's <laughs> pulling a gun in the corner. Wrap up, I have a question okay, yeah. for Jamie okay. Moyer. Uh, Fritter's here. That's his nickname that oh, we gave no. him. 
Frederick. Uh, he we he had a segment on our podcast where he wanted to give himself his own nickname. He suggested sweatpants Listen, and some other things. This is not about me. Yeah. Okay, let's just. Well, he wanted he yeah. wanted to sign up for one of your workshops. He thought it would be funny to sign up for your all lady workshop. <laughs> no. Would you have accepted him? No. <laughs> exactly. And see, I just said, don't say no. But yeah. No. <laughs> yes and no. You listened first and then you said. Yeah, yeah I do. Well, you know, you can't be there because we tell a lot of secrets. Yeah. We do each other's. We do each other's hair. Deal with well, it. <laughs> but in all, in, all, in all seriousness, the, the final real question: What is something that you would tell uh, upcoming improvisers like ourselves, or something that you wish you had known as an improviser starting out, like a word of advice? When you have a successful scene and it feels amazing, bottle that feeling and know that's what you're coming back for when you're having rough sets. You know, when you're having rough scenes. I thought you said rough sex. You, yeah. <laughs> you bottle up that feeling when you're having rough sex and then you unleash it on your partner. It's called an orgasm. Uh, no, but, I, I, but in all seriousness, when it feels right and you've had so much fun doing it, that means that all of you guys who, have, who are studying now, you're doing the right thing. If you've ever had even one successful scene and you know that rush, Keep doing it. And the more you do it, the more scenes you'll have like that. It's all about putting time behind you. So don't get frustrated. Keep learning. Keep honing your craft. And the world needs improv. The world needs to laugh. So if you're listening to this podcast or for you four, you're, you've, you've done the right thing. You're in the right place. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Well, I mean, Detroit definitely knows about you. And I, Detroit. I believe the world will know about you. Ooh, thank you, so, Tony. Thank you very much. Ja yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Jamie Moore, for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate for it. Me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I'm waving to the microphone. Okay. Bye. <laughs> we love you, Jamie. <laughs> and that's the end of the interview. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. Thanks again to Jamie Moore for doing that. That was a lot of fun. Actually, both interviews were a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Nancy Hayden for that exclusive, our first exclusive. 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 Okay. Well, that wraps up this episode of the After Improv Podcast. This is part one. We're doing two parts for Diff. Coming up next is an episode where we run down the things we saw, plus exclusive updates on Jim's job status and John's job status. Exclusive. Stay exclusive. tuned. But for now... Play us out, Jim. After Improv Special Show. And Excuse. scene.